is supported by you and the following underwriters. The Mountain Eagle, the community newspaper and website serving the Catskills region, covering Delaware, Schoharie, Green, and Northern Ulster counties with local reporting, regional events, school sports, letters, and features. All in the Mountain Eagle. Peek-a-Moose Restaurant on State Route 28 in Big Indian with farm-to-table cuisine Thursday through Monday. Indoor dining from 4 to 9 p.m. Takeout till 10. Peekamoose.com or 845-254-6500. 845-254-6500. Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center in Walton. Open 730 to 230 Tuesday through Saturday for waste disposal and recycling. In service to make a difference by reducing pollution in Delaware County. Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center, State Route 10 in Walton, 607-832-5800. Or click the Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center link at WIOXradio.org. You're tuned to WIOX Roxbury, your live and local soundtrack for fall adventures. When you cruise the counties, towns, and villages in the Catskills region. Colchester, Downsville, Deposit, Hancock. There's fall foliage, a harvest hops festival, horseback riding, farmer's markets, fishing, kayaking, or whatever floats your boat. So tool around and stay tuned. Find links to autumn activities in the Catskills at WIOXradio.org. Okay, 
You are listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and MTC Cable Channel 20. 107.5 FM on the campus of SUNY Delhi and everywhere at WIOXradio.org on computers or smartphones. This is From the Forest with Ryan, Zane, and Zara tonight. And uh, how's it going? Good. Pretty good. What have you guys been up to? Well, this weekend, Columbus Day weekend, uh, I went for a hike, or uh, a walk, I guess, out by West Kill, Diamond Notch Falls, um, a little bit of a, a guided walk, and we went off trail to see some uh, cairns built by Native Americans and dated, um, I don't know, a few thousand years old, so that was pretty cool. Um, Sweet. Looking, yeah. That's different. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even expect to see them. I guess I kind of just signed up for this hike and, you know, just to see uh, it's a nice fall day. But, um, yeah, there are quite a few of them, pretty impressive mounds of, of stone that are, you know, very carefully placed. And there's interpretations about what they mean. Um, I don't really think anyone at this point um, can really confirm if any of it's true but um, or what the original purpose was. Um, for them being built, but it's still cool to think about. Yeah, there's all sorts of ideas, right? Like they map the stars, yep. some kind of astronomical thing, or, um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, this uh, the guide for this walk was, in, you know, kind of suggesting maybe they were just effigies, um, effigies or, yeah, mm. sacred kind of um, sculptures, I guess, in, in some way, um, that they... Uh, you know, felt were were sacred. I guess I don't know. Do you know what elevation those ones were at? No, but we were. Um, we hadn't. The hike didn't really gain any elevation. If you hike in uh, from the road to Diamond Notch Falls, you don't really. Uh, you're not ascending West Hill yet, so probably whatever the elevation is, uh, right in, um, right by the road in West Hill there. So. Probably is what elevation we were at. I'm not sure, though. Yeah, I would guess somewhere between 16 and 19. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I know. I used to live there. I used to rent up in there in oh, Diamond yeah. Notch. Yeah. Cool. Yep, back yeah. in 2005. It's a great place in the summer because it's got natural air conditioning. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get much light all day yeah. long. Yeah. So didn't yeah. matter how hot it got. It was always cool. And Diamond Notch, and and the the West Creek or the West Kill Creek um, or river is actually, I mean, looks like there's lots of nice swim holes or you know right on the on the water there. Uh, it looks pretty cold too, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bet. So what about you, Zane? Well, I uh, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday, but I think I had maybe a little bit of a Lyme disease scare. Hmm. Yeah, jo- um, join the club, yeah. pal. <laughs> So yeah, I've never I've never gotten Lyme. I found plenty of ticks on me though. Um, but uh, I started hunting, so I've been out in the woods, and uh, I think I was laying down on the on the ground in this little spot, waiting for the deer to walk by. And um, uh, a couple weeks after that, I got this little red mark on my leg that just wouldn't go away, and mm. kept thinking about it and thinking about it, watching it, and finally went to uh, urgent care to go get it looked at and. They're going to run some tests, but they gave me a prescription for the uh, doxycycline. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's all they can stuff. do. I told you. Yep. So they, they told me if 
if it is, they're going to call me. If not, they won't. So I, uh, I'm pretty sure I got Lyme right now. I feel like garbage. Well, <laughs> well, that's the thing. I don't have any symptoms or anything. You know, I've been, you know, you get flu-like symptoms, but I don't have any of them. So it could be yeah. a spider bite, but I don't know. But yeah, I've never gotten it. So, but I, I assume huh. yeah. that you know, being out in the woods. It, eventually it's going to happen you know yeah yeah. Another, but. yeah i haven't had any either and i mean uh i've rarely found a tick actually embedded i'll find them crawling on me but as far to my knowledge um anytime i've had one actually uh bite me i've caught it within 24 hours but we'll see could yeah. just be a matter of time full body tick check tick checks help and my wife found, has found a couple that I probably would, never would have found. One is really like in the middle of my back. So even if I did see it, <laughs> I not, would not have reached it. But it helps to have a second pair of eyes. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yep. Yeah, my wife doesn't care. No, she <laughs> I don't. I, I've gotten lazy and complacent. But um, I found one in my beard. That was disgusting. Mm. I never had that happen before. Um, I usually, I feel like I can feel them pretty well now gotten attuned to it but there was one in a place on my beard it must have gone 24 hours and uh it was engorged i've never had one that engorged oh. and i'm like you know what you know what happened was i i just shaved my beard um a few weeks before and and when you do that sometimes you get ingrown hairs that's mm. why i probably figured it was mm-hmm. and then i was like i was feeling i was like that's no ingrown hair yeah. man yeah. yikes i just i nabbed it out but yeah it's disgusting what are you gonna do I don't know. I went hunting. Um, I, I wish I didn't because <laughs> the first half of October, you basically just scare the deer in places you really want to hunt. Um, they move really late. It seems late at night. It's probably better for me to go morning, but I just go in the evening right now for time's sake. But anyway, last night, exactly what happened, what I, I hate. At the same time, I, I love it because at least you get this here deer. I, didn't, I saw them for a little while. So... The acorns are dropping around me, and the deer come in, but they come in just after I can't see my bow sight, so I'm not going to shoot at a dark object. That would be unethical. Mm. And there's now three, four deer all under me, munching away, crunching away on acorns, like literally right below me. And then I hear this heavy-stepped deer to my left. And that's the buck, because I know they come down from this one area, and he's just kind of standing there going back and forth like, hey, what's going on? There's all these <laughs> girls around now. They weren't here before. Now they're here. And then, you know, eventually the uh, lead doe, as she circles around your stand like four times, eventually will get your scent. And she did. Mm. But um, pretty cool. Saw a flying squirrel. He came out on the dead stub that was right at my eye level. Mm. And he came out and just looked at me. And I was like, holy crap, flying squirrel. And then I saw it like, glide away uh, and uh, cool. there's a lot of flying squirrels out there you just never see them because they're nocturnal you know i cut down a small dead ash tree like less than f- about five inch diameter mm. there was a flying squirrel in that little sucker wow so they're they're around but gray squirrels while i'm hunting are just so curious it's ridiculous they, they'll they go up to an adjacent tree it happens probably 40 percent of the time i'm out and they'll go to an adjacent branch and come right at your eye level to check you out like what the hell (laughs) is that thing and you can really mess with them by staying really still and then it really gets them Mm. 
Yeah. And I, I don't really want them to see me because then they start making noise, and I'm sure that alerts other things. Yeah, they go but, on and on and on. And the Blue yeah. Jays are just annoying. Yeah. You know, they yeah. make too much noise for God knows what reason. But um, other than that, it's uh, I haven't been seeing too much, but uh, it's just nice to be out in the woods, you know. Fall yeah. is the best. Fall yeah. is the best. The weather immediately changed a couple of weeks ago, and I've really been enjoying it. Something about the tilt of the sun in mm-hmm. fall yeah. and the way it, it it's like golden through the forest. Yeah. You know, it's almost like something out of a storybook. It's really cool. It yeah, really is. Long shadows in the woods. And- yeah. It's, 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 it's my favorite time of year. Anyway, tonight's topic is old and emerging diseases of American Beach. And, and Zane has uh, done the homework on this new bad news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Zane. <laughs> Well, Jeez. I mean, uh, this On was beach. Uh, yeah, the beach is taking a lot. This was uh, prompted by you know, a lot of questions and a lot of new reporting on this beach leaf disease you hear out there. So I started thinking about beach and uh, the other major disease out there, beach bark disease. And um, I mean, we've lived with beach bark disease for decades now, and I just wanted to speculate and wonder about what beach leaf disease might mean for the future of beach in North America here, because it's already not really doing that well, but um, I don't know. Maybe we can try and see where it's going. We'll see. Like, um, first, do you, you want to explain background on beach, or where do you want to go? Yeah, we'll start with uh, beach background here. So, I mean, it's one of the most common trees in the mountains, mm-hmm. in the Catskills. Maybe not in the lower elevations, but in the higher elevations of the Catskills, it's more than 40% of the trees, I think. Yeah, it's, it's a big part of the composition out there northern uh hardwoods um but it's a tree that i think many people just don't really see it in its full potential what they usually see is uh these beach thickets that uh are caused by beach bark disease but we'll get into that um but a few things about beach itself fagus grandifolia um it's in the fagaceae family so that's the chestnut and oak family and it's the only species in its genus fagus in north america so that's pretty unique hmm. um yeah it's part of that uh, northern hardwoods forest type the beech birch uh maple hemlock um it's one of the more shade tolerant trees out there um you know, the, the most right of the hardwoods the yeah i believe so most. of the hardwoods of the hardwoods, yeah, I was yeah. going to mm-hmm. say hemlock, but uh, yeah, of the hardwoods, very, very shade tolerant. Yeah. Um, deciduous, drops its leaves. Um, beach ID, um, just a simple leaf, very papery. It's got a tooth margin to it. People have probably seen this everywhere in the preserve, in the understory, uh, not thinking that it can be you know, much, much larger than it is. Um, but I always look for those cigar, cigar-shaped buds, which you see now. Um, they definitely have set. They're big, long, and pointy, kind of chestnut brown. You Might catch get, you in the face. Ever get hit in the eye with them? <laughs> yeah. No, I've gotten hit in the eye with other things. I uh, apple while buds, hiking. Man, yeah, that must be. Yep, that's dangerous. dangerous. Something happened to me two years ago. I get up on top of the mound, the big bad hunter with his rifle, all ready to kill the almighty whitetail buck. Get to the top, huffing and puffing. Beach whip hits me right in the eye and brings me to my knees. <laughs> Humbled. I was like, I'm glad no one saw this. It's embarrassing as all hell. Got my brand new 308, you know? Yeah. And here I am on the ground, pissed and tearing up. Yeah. <laughs> They're no joke. I mean, they could be sharp. like, you know, a couple, yeah. an inch or, or a little over an inch sometimes on the, yeah. 
They're yeah. serious. I have so I almost broke my hiking stick. My you know those those are really expensive hiking poles I used to have. Mm. They're now gone. But um, again, this is something I'm not proud of. But uh, one got me. I turned around, started attacking it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, what are you doing? I'm just so pissed off and hit me in the yeah. eye. But anyway, if you push back through something. it enough, it you know it could take you to that level. So yeah, yeah, yeah they're no joke. Anyway. Well, so, what else, Zane? Well, their bark is pretty famous. Um, this is oh, they got that smooth uh, steel gray bark. I always describe it as like elephant skin. Mm. It's always something that when I do tree ID for people, I try and find good examples around, but there's never good examples around. So I go to Hudson Valley to to find yeah. it, where there's fewer beach and the disease doesn't spread. Yeah, um, New Paltz, like where I grew up, or beautiful beach. Yeah, mm. we, there's like. A, a, kind of a natural area near Rhinebeck where my wife and I saw some of the best looking beach I've ever seen in my life. They were pristine. And I just imagine that that's what they must have looked like before that the disease came through. So, but. Kind of like um, um, they're the the fruit, which is like a miniature chestnut kind of. Yeah, yeah think it's about got it, little the husk. tiny burrs on it. I found one the other day. I, I mean, I feel like I never really see them that often. Um, but uh, actually, on that that walk I, I did this weekend, I did find one single beech nut on the forest floor mm-hmm. <laughs> um, with the nuts still inside. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they do, you're right, you know, look like little, uh, you know, barbed, much, much smaller than a chestnut. But mm. They're edible. Um, they just don't taste like much. Yeah. I didn't eat it, but. Yeah, let me nah, say that. <laughs> first ones I've had were, I think, a couple of years ago. And, yeah, they don't taste much. They just taste like yeah. nut, nutty water and. Hmm. They got a good texture to them, but they're important if you're bear or deer hunting. You yep. know, they they do follow them because there's really nothing much else in those higher elevations. They're, it's a thirsty tree, though, huh? Yeah, you say. Yeah, so beech uh, need a lot of water. Um, so they need a lot of water compared to other uh, similar species. Um, so even though they're in the same family as oaks, they need twice as much water as oak hmm. does. Um, so you usually find them on very moist sites, sites that have uh, are well-drained, but they have very moist topsoil. Um, it was interesting, this fact I found was that a lot of um, settlers would look for these trees because they were indicating really moist surface soil. So they would uh, clear those areas for um, farming. Hmm. So those were pretty good indicator species, so I thought that was yeah. interesting. But, yeah, you're not going to find these trees on uh, rocky outcrops or... Um, uh, ledgy areas where you find oaks, um, you're going to find them in uh, really nice, moist forest soils. Where you'd also find sugar maple as well. Sugar maple, man. Yep, yep. that was another thing they would look for settlers. Yeah. Yep. Makes so, sense. So yeah, this is a interesting tree. I mean, used a lot for different different things. Um, very hardwood, but difficult to split. I've never uh, split this for firewood or anything. No. I hope to one day. I think it's the best firewood. Yeah. Hmm. Beach. Yeah. I really do. It's um, just as dense as sugar maple and oak, but takes one year to season. Oh, really? Yeah. Or yeah. as sugar maple, it really d- takes two. Yeah. Mm. So does any oak. But yeah, beech is to me the best. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into it later on why why there's an abundance of beech firewood, mm-hmm. not for saw logs anymore. But anyway, I also found it was interesting that it was used a lot for um, containers. Um, because the wood, I guess, when it's 
seasoned. Um, it's odorless and tasteless, so it's used a lot for butcher blocks, butter boxes, ice boxes, sugar barrels. Um, so that was pretty neat, neat property of it. Um, yeah, it's very, very hard, dense wood. Yeah. So, yeah. But yet it seasons in one year. Which is interesting. It's it's great. It really is good firewood. Hmm. Just one step back for a second. If you're thinking about planting it, um, it might not be the best idea for, as we'll get into later on. But also, like sugar maple, it does not take compacted roots. So I see it dying from root damage when people plant it near their driveway or something like that. Yeah, it's also a species that has like really shallow roots, like sugar maple, very wide spreading. But this is a species when it's when it really likes a site, you're going to see these big buttress roots on it. Um, mm-hmm. Almost look like something you see in the rainforest. Um, those are really, really neat. So, so. Yeah. And this is also because of its a smooth gray bark. It's definitely a tree that's been just carved all the time. <laughs> yeah. By many, many generations of... Uh, amorous couples? Amorous couples, yeah. <laughs> nice, man. I see that in the notes. Good image there. Yeah, you know, yeah, I know. Um, my wrestling coach had some beautiful beech trees in his back forest, and uh, he would hire us wrestlers for New Paltz High School to uh, work there, you know, do some landscaping. Well, one day, these two wrestlers thought it would be a great idea to write their names on his beech trees. Yikes. They thought it was fine. They didn't understand that he would not think this was cool, <laughs> and he knew exactly the names of which wrestlers to kill. <laughs> <laughs> the next day yep. uh, yeah. I mean he, he was seriously pissed off yeah. I remember watching him chase him I thought it was hilarious because I'm watching him like go after them <laughs> yeah. this is going to be interesting yeah, I mean, if you ever see beach um, planted in uh, city parks or um, I grew up in Rochester and there's a, an outdoor um, kind of arboretum area there in, in Highland Park in Rochester and um, there's some pretty impressively large beaches there, but they all are completely marred up with people's initials or their names or the yeah. date they were there. And, you know, it's, it's yeah, definitely. Does it, does I've never seen a tree die from it unless you did it a lot. Right. Yeah. Like um, Buddy Eckert is a famous kind of mountain guy that has now passed away. I'd see him at the at the bar at Snyder's and the hunting club there in West Shokin. But to this day... There's a place on my trip that I talked about two weeks ago mm. that I know, you know, I always say I got to get to the Buddy Eckert tree and then from there I do my bearing. But, you know, that was from the 70s or 80s. He wrote his name. And it's just fine. There's this other guy, his last name, Warsh. His name's all over the place. I find his name. These two guys really got around. And they're, they're kind of famous amongst huh. that part of the Catskills. But it doesn't kill the tree if it's just... You know, done once or twice. No. Some of these you'll see, 80-something, 70-something, 90-something. Yeah. I mean, they've been there for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I imagine it's different if it's in a, like, populated area and you get yeah. people walking by it. But but even then, I mean, those trees seem to be, um, you know, I haven't visited them in, in a while, but they seem to be okay, you know? They're yeah. not, like, totally affected unless, like you said, it was done all the way around the tree and all the way up and down and you know it's but you know usually it's discouraged by you know if it's a city park or yeah. an arboretum is like please don't one of those things <laughs> we got to write something interesting or else it's just oh yeah, yeah. it's not worth yeah. it 
But if you're a tree climber, you can get up high and write something, and there you nobody go. will know until someone's <laughs> got to remove that tree one what day. What the heck is this? Who wrote this? That'd be funny, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Billy Bob, what? What the hell? Billy Bob. <laughs> but it's a weird tree in that when it was healthy, uh, it would be smooth gray. It's one of the few trees whose bark doesn't metamorphosize as it gets older, which is kind of cool. You know, it just stays the same. Right. Very yeah, smooth. Yeah, the... Uh, the inner bark grows at the same rate as the outer bark, so they're constantly moving in tandem. That's where you get that smoothness to them. Huh. Yeah. But a lot of other trees, the inner bark and outer bark grow at different rates, so that's where you get all that neat textures. And mm. So that's what well, I learned. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest. Tonight's topic is old and emerging diseases of American beech, and uh, we've been describing the American beech tree. Next, we'll get into the old diseases before getting into the new diseases.
All right, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest. That's, of course, Pink Floyd. I haven't, I haven't, you know, I got Pink Floyded out for the last 10 years, but finally, the other day, yesterday, I was driving. I was like, you know, I got to play this song. Yeah. Breaking the wall. Yeah, we could use it. We need a little more skepticism out there. there I feel go. like people have forgotten about, you know, yeah. rock and roll and skepticism and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we don't need about, more uh, education. Like, what happened to that? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I'm like, listen to the song. I'm like, this song is like, it wouldn't fit into today's society yeah. anymore. This is kind of like a revolutionary song again. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> Enough time has passed where this song is like needed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, that's my digression. There you go. Um, beach bar disease. Old, old disease of the American beech tree. Yeah, old and emerging diseases. So we'll start with the old diseases. So beech bark disease, I learned it's one of the first diseases I learned about in school. Um, you know, it's a uh, insect, a little uh, uh, aphid-like scale insect. It's got a feeding mouth part that was uh, brought over and uh, uh, invaded Nova Scotia in 1890 and then moved down the coast from there. Um, so but it's pretty much, uh, it's been here for more than 100 years, and it um, feeds on the tree, um, creates these little kind of uh, cottony masses that it protects itself from predators, and um, it can stress the tree, and if that wasn't bad enough, it also stresses the tree and um, infects it with a uh, fungal uh, disease that creates these kind of raised pustules along the bark that ruins that uh, smooth bark that beach is known for and those are usually the symptoms we see on beech trees these cankers that are either raised and have reddish uh, fruiting bodies on them or are sunken and if enough of them are produced they can end up girdling the stem um, but uh, another interesting feature of beech that we didn't really discuss was that it's a prolific root sucker so it's a tree that when stressed or when dying will uh, start to uh, send out new shoots from its uh, surrounding root system to create a new kind of beech thicket, a beech forest there. So when this disease stress, stresses the tree, it doesn't necessarily die. The main stem will decline, but the root system will is unaffected, and it sends up these new mm-hmm. shoots. Beech whips. Beech whips. Beech whips. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, it's, your nemesis. it's terrible, man. Forester's it, nightmare. It, it is bad because I feel like I, got, I caught the very tail end of what the Catskills used to be like bushwhacking. Mm. Uh, in in two thousand year two thousand, I worked for the state painting boundary line mm. for the forest preserve, and I remember being in Woodland Valley, and it was so cool. You could just see up the mountain. You know, we could talk about another show whether that's healthy or not, but it was. You could walk easily through the woods, mm. and Mike Kudish, Dr. Michael Kudish, who wrote the history of the Catskill Forest, talks about this when he first went to the Catskills, sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, and. It was easier to bushwhack. Now, it's hell on earth in some places. It's not that bad. But it's like you can never see in front of you very far because there's so many beach whips. Um, hunting is terrible. Mm-hmm. Not that there's any more or less deer in some ways, but you can't get a shot on them because you can't see more than 40 yards. Yeah. There's beach whips everywhere. And one little whip will cause the trajectory of your bullet to go to crap sure. so it stinks man it, but it was really it was pretty it was to just walk back then in some of these areas where there was no beach whips yeah you know now they're pretty much everywhere at a certain elevation oh man yeah so anyway. these, yeah so the thickets are 
an issue. You know, it it top kills the tree, so that main stem dies away, but but the root systems are still intact. So it doesn't really, you know, a disease is meant to like kill a tree and limit its potential and. But, you know, beech is still thriving, I guess, after this and still producing shoots. And, and um, But those older trees tend to die out. So you don't see it in its full potential anymore. You just see these big beech yeah. thickets, which are their own issue, which in the understory can add to that shade and really shade out a lot of things that we'd like to have regenerated. Um, yeah. It, ginseng, like, I think needs a little more light. It, it likes shade, but not that much, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like. What yeah. do you think? I mean, because I feel like where it grows, you'll have an overstory. Have you ever notice you never see a midstory? Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of a specific area where I've walked and and there is a beach thicket near this area, but that's not where I would find the ginseng. Yeah. It would be um, outside of that thicket, but still under some really nice tall, you know, sugar maple trees that are providing a lot of shade, but not... Um, not necessarily within the thicket. I mean, the thickets can be pretty low, too. and Right. And, and obviously very thick. Um, and the added dimension that beech is very shade tolerant, so um, even a tree <clears throat> excuse me, that's not really stressed will hang out in the understory anyway and kind of creep its branches along horizontally rather than vertically. Right. Um, so that kind of adds to the, the thicket-like-ness uh, of beech. Yeah, I just think you don't find uh, spring ephemerals as much when there's a dense mid-story like that with beech yeah. especially or the other herbs like um baneberry blue cohosh yeah stuff like that i don't so i don't know at least where i find them but i do see ferns underneath them but definitely not yeah the the spring ephemerals or yeah things like that yeah yeah so it's a it's interesting it's a disease that causes this response in the tree that causes all these kind of downstream effects in in the forest yeah so um, so in some ways, a part of uh, people's forest management plans, controlling beech in some ways, using herbicide or cutting is usually uh, um, advised. The if only, it can be yeah, done. The only herb that does well with beech, like, is trout lily. Mm-hmm. Seems to love where beech is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just accident or they like they prefer the same site, but man, you find acres of trout lily under yeah, beech. Yeah, I have. Yep, I did notice that. Mm-hmm. Which are edible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, By the deli- way, delicious. Yeah, the leaves. So, uh, so yeah. yeah. So that's the old disease. Um, Great. Other- <laughs> well, you know, the the I, I, to segue into this new disease, I think, or sure. I don't know if you want to go straight to beech leaf disease, but you know, I think it's going to be. You just mentioned um, that a lot of people in in forest landowners, their management plan concerns managing beech and trying to control it in some way, but um, it might be that you know. Yeah. We may not need to necessarily by by uh, you know herbicide or or removing beech trees in some way if, if beech leaf disease uh, takes hold in a really serious way. So yeah, we had a member, a Catskill Forest Association member, call the office uh, last year, last fall, and, and say, um, "You hear about this beech leaf disease maybe coming?" And he's in the upper elevation near mm. Claryville. Mm. I'm like, "Yeah," and I, I kind of know where he's going with this already. He's like, yeah, it's too bad. I go, yeah? He goes, not really. I hope it kills them all. I am so tired of these beach thickets. <laughs> <laughs> he was glad that it was coming, but yeah. I, I won't talk anymore about the peach leaf disease. But, uh, yeah, he was, hey, did you mention, maybe I didn't hear you, but the beach bark disease, like you said, it's too, it's an insect that pierces and yep. then a fungus. It, it, the insect 
uh, or is native? Yeah, so I mean, yeah. we can get into Did this a little bit. Did you mention that? Yeah. Yeah, so there's two beach scale insects. There's one, Cryptococcus phagosuga, Whoa. and then there's Xylococculus betulae. Wow. Uh, so nice those are job. two different beach scale insects, and they both vector these canker fungus. Uh, one of them being Neonectria datissima, which is native to North America. We know that. And they also vector this Neonectria phagonata, so two different species. But the second one, phagonata, is of unknown origin. That, uh, no one knows. They hmm. don't know if uh, where it came from. It, they, they know that um, there's uh, scale insects in Europe, but it's not from there. And they can't really, the data doesn't show that it's from here either. So they really don't know the origin of it where yeah, it cause it's from. weird because i don't think copper beach european beach gets it gets the beach part disease not that i've seen no right. they have their own issues as an ornamental but no they don't yeah. suffer from it they might suffer from beach leaf disease as we'll talk about in a minute but right. no yeah it's beautiful copper beach or european beach at frost valley right by the mm. castle house there uh, in claryville and a beautiful one in downtown red hook duchess county hmm. just beautiful trees yeah but um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting little mystery there. Some unknown there. Maybe somebody one day will find it out. But um, I don't know. Interesting. But so so that brings us to the new emerging diseases of beach, which is this beach leaf disease (BLD). So as far as we know, it was uh, identified in Ohio in 2012, and it was uh, introduced into New York State in 2018, and it's been moving. Um, west and into central and southern new york uh, over the past few years so some of the symptoms that you see on these trees is leaf striping so if you were in an uh, understory and you're looking up at kind of beach trees you'll see the sunlight shining through the leaf and you'll see these dark uh, greenish bands uh, next to lighter green bands um, and then you'll see this kind of curling in the leaf uh, the leaf itself, which usually has kind of a papery texture, will develop this leathery texture to it. You might also see this puckering, a raised area between the veins. Um, and then eventually you start to see these leaves kind of wilt and wither on, on, the, on the branch. And then um, that stem or sucker will, will die back in, in, a, in a year. Um, so it's an interesting uh, symptom. It's a lot different from... Uh, beach bark disease which is on the stem this is attacking the leaves themselves and you usually see it attacking younger beach uh, trees or suckers so mm -hmm. beach bark disease usually affects larger stems um, and this is ta attacking the young growth so it's getting two different diseases attacking it from uh, both ends of the age spectrum yeah i first saw beach leaf disease um was it i guess last year or the year before maybe um in Pennsylvania, when I went down to the Allegheny uh, National Forest for a training there uh, with the Forest Service, and they actually took us to a stand that uh, was a beech thicket um, and would have, you know, normally, in, uh, and w if the beech had been healthy or, you know, um, n in normal circumstances, you would barely be able to move through this stand. Um, but it had been hit by beech leaf disease, and it was totally wilted up. Um, mm. I mean, you would have still had the woody stems kind of hanging around, but you could see right through uh, the thicket, and it was it looks pretty dramatic um, compared to some other tree diseases that I notice in the forest, where 
you know, you you definitely would, if you saw a whole thicket um, affected by beech leaf disease, you'd definitely probably stop in your tracks and kind of go, huh, that looks strange. Um, but, yeah, very, very dramatic appearance. Um, and I don't think we know too much about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Wait, where did this come from? Uh, they don't know where it came from, but... Uh, oh, really? So we have no idea where... Identified it in Ohio. Right. I think it's just beginning to be researched. They don't even fully understand... Nematodes? Actually, um, those are my these are my further notes here, so... Uh, yeah, uh, there you yeah. go. Just, <laughs> so, just uh, jumping over Zane, pretty much. Uh, so, I mean, there, I mean, there's still a lot of unknowns with this, which is, you know, normal for right. any kind of emerging disease, which I think it's really interesting, um, a lot of these unknowns. Um, but we do know a few things that it's associated with this nematode, these microscopic worms, um, because when they take samples of the leaves um, and the buds as well, they find a lot of these worms. And so they can only assume that it's associated with the disease in some way, whether it's causing the disease, they really can't say. They just know that wherever they find the symptoms of the disease, they find these worms. Um, and these worms actually were first described in Japan, um, and uh, those in those areas that it does affect those ornamental European and, and uh, ornamental oriental beech trees. Um, but it doesn't seem to have the same effect on as it does on our beech trees. But they find that it invades the leaf buds themselves, um, and then when those leaf buds break open and expand. Um, the nematode might get splashed around in wind and rain and spread to different parts of the crown that way. Mm. Mm. Um, so maybe that's, that's a reason why you don't see it attacking large uh, trees in the canopy. You're just seeing it attacking all the ones in the understory. Mm. I don't yeah. know. But still, a lot of unknowns. They don't know how it arrived in, in the U.S. They don't know how its distribution or how it spreads. They don't know if uh, whatever's vectoring it between uh, regions, whether it's birds or small mammals or, or people, I don't know. They don't know. Um, they don't even know what it's doing in the tree to uh, cause these type of symptoms. Usually when you see wilting in a tree, it's because the tree's pump system is being plugged up in some way, but they really don't know the mode of action there. They don't know other pests it's associated with, and since they don't know all these other things, they really don't know what uh, management you should do for it. So. So it's just kind of this. Know. Yeah, That's what you're saying it's yeah. good. It's good to say you don't know, but it's, it's well, liberating. We, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> but you see what it's doing. You know, we see that the peach bark disease affects the larger stems and allows these thickets to be created. And now we have this other disease which is attacking those thickets. So we have an above ground disease and a below ground disease. So you know, my big question is, you know, what's the future of American beach in, in the U.S. here? Yeah, if our forests are maturing and. Uh, uh, beach is a, a, a component of that mature hardwood forest. Are we just not going to see as many beach anymore? I don't know. Huh. Is something going to fill its place? I don't know. Is the most shade tolerant tree? I don't know. Yeah, I know Penn State uh, Extension at least is is doing some of this research. And when I was down at that training, they did mention um, that they were looking into different experimental treatments that they've. Um, applied to certain stands for research purposes obviously it's not information that's yet available to the public um or you know not definitely not a recommendation but i think they're i haven't checked up on them since i've been there so they might have some results to report but um, i know that they're doing some type of experimental treatment um, using maybe different herbicides or 
trying to figure out yeah what what exactly the the nematode is is doing hmm. so but you know what how do how how should one feel about this i don't know should you be worried should you be yeah you know sad that beach is being attacked at both ends i don't know um seems to be solving a, a problem that beach bark disease has created but i don't know i think all things change in the woods so yeah, I think I've been recently adopting this new, broader perspective of these type of phenomena. Because I think it's really easy to get very doom and gloom when something like this pops up. Um, and I, often when I speak with landowners, um, there is this doom and gloom around other similar diseases or insects, pests like emerald ash borer or hemlock woolly adelgid, and people feel like, we're losing these trees, but I think um, nature also does work on a time scale that's much larger, much longer than a human life. And so sometimes these things that seem very dramatic in our lifetime, maybe in the grand scheme of things, aren't so dramatic or are just part of the shifting and, ev and evolving and changing of the forested ecosystem. Um, and, you know, certain trees have cultural importance that when they get diseases like this, um, they affect our culture as human beings, our livelihoods in some cases. I'm thinking of the chestnut. But um, I think ultimately those things don't necessarily matter to nature. And, you know, as I say, nature is just like the, the forested ecosystem and uh, the environment. So um, things change. Yeah. I just think we're in uncharted territory with forests in yeah. general because what I mean by that is, you know, they were burned and then probably by Native Americans, right? And then they were cleared. So the density when they're cleared is zero almost, right? Right. And now they've grown back from farms, farm abandonment. And um, we've had people on a radio show, we've talked about this. They're denser than maybe ever. No burning, nothing. And... You know, we know as foresters that uh, when trees are struggling with sunlight, it's a petri dish for diseases. Mm -hmm. We also have world trade more than ever, right? We've had trade for a long time since the 1600s, but probably more trade now, right? Mm -hmm. But still, we've had trade. So you, you add all those contributing factors, and uh, it's uncharted territory to me. This is, this is uh, you know, never been here before, maybe, yeah. ever. Yeah, so we'll see. But one thing we know what is that nature abhors a vacuum. So something will grow in. But I would like less beach whips. That would be nice. Be nice. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. some great looking beach <laughs> I think out there. A lot there. of people agree with you. But, but yeah, I agree with saying it's unfortunate people don't usually see beach living up to its potential. No, oh. that stinks. Yeah. 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 When you do see it, it's quite something. There's really no other hardwood like it. Um, no. Yeah. I'll it's beautiful tree. One day. Yeah. It's so much better than firewood. Um, unfortunately, the beech bark disease has taken that away. And really, it's used in pallet wood. Mm. Mm. Beech. Uh, at least that's what my friend over in Deposit used to use it for uh, at the sawmill there. So, but it is good firewood, man. Yeah. In, the, in the meantime. It is good. So, uh, we're going to take a break. We'll, we'll talk. We'll see if, we, if we're done with the beech leaf disease. Maybe we'll just talk about this and that, what's going on. And, uh, hey, how about a, uh, you guys, what do you want? You want a Cry in the Dark song from the 1980s or something more uplifting you choose? I'll leave it up to you. Uplifting. Let's keep Let's it light. Yeah. Oh, okay, all right. Okay, I see. 
grass Walking down the road Tell me how long you gonna stay here, Joe Some people say This town don't look good in snow You don't care, I know America, Ventura Highway. I think America is one of the most underrated bands, man. Yeah, they're pretty good. Do to do. Do to do. If you don't like that song, then you're just a bad person. All right, <laughs> <laughs> you need to seek help. No, I don't know. It's a good song. Anyway, um, so we've been talking about the beach leaf disease, another disease to add to beach bark disease for the American beech tree, and. I think you mentioned this already, but the beach leaf disease, BLD, also attacks European beach. Yep. Which beach bark disease did not, so touche. Yeah, so uh, those ornamental <laughs> European beach, you know, I don't know. Stinks. I did want to mention I, there's another pest that does look, although it wouldn't, I don't think it would occur as um, widespread in, in a one particular area, but 
I think it's the beech uh, rolling aphid. Oh, here we go. Leaf rolling oh. aphid. But it looks, it produces in some cases um, visual symptoms that look very similar to beech bark disease. Um, and I have seen, um, you know, I've been to properties where it didn't quite look like beech bark disease and I only found a few leaves here or there on, you know, one or two beech trees that um, had some similar striping, but the leaf, um, it does pucker with this aphid, but then you'll also see kind of some of the sides of the leaf curled around, um, and that's the leaf rolling aspect of the aphid. They they roll that leaf around, and I guess they for shelter they yeah. live inside Protect there. Yeah. Like a little blankie. Um, but, Damn. you know, and then I also saw, you know, with that frost that we had um, earlier this year, some beach were affected by that and they got knocked back and I had some some landowners ask me like what's going on or, or thinking that it was beach leaf disease when it was just the frost but I mean I'm sure it'll be kind of around everywhere pretty mm. pretty soon but um, just putting that out there for anybody who's like oh my beach you know it might not be beach leaf disease but uh, keep an take eye take a out. photo send it to us at the Catskill Forest yep. Association have seen it in Delaware County so and Sullivan. I don't know about over in Ulster there, Ryan. Keep seeing it, but... Yeah, I don't look for it. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, we don't have as many beach. Yeah, yeah. In my sense. part of Ulster. Yeah. In the upper elevations, but I haven't noticed it. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I guess this is going to sound terrible. I don't look for it. It's actually some truth to that, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's just that, you know, I've been so down on beach with the beach bar disease for so long. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is too bad. But where are you going to find nice beach and where beach leaf disease can be terrible is in the lower Hudson and Hudson Valley where the mm. beach bark disease doesn't spread as fast. And that's where you get the beautiful trees. So actually, if you're down in New York City, you have more of a chance of seeing nicer beach trees, really. Right. I, when I think of nice beach trees I've seen, I do think of more like an urban setting or park setting or streets yeah. or, you know, that type of thing. That was Occasionally, a weird one. You see a nice one in the forest, but... Yeah, as you mentioned, that was a weird disease in that that one came from Nova Scotia and worked southward. Yeah. Most of the time, they come in from the port of New York, mm-hmm. and that one did not. And because we have so much beach, it just spread like wildfire throughout yeah. the forest preserve and stuff like that. Yeah, I imagine you know, squirrels were a big component to that, just carrying it from tree to tree, maybe. Squirrels. It's their fault. Yeah. Usually, you blame birds, you know? Drop for invasives and things, yeah, dropping yeah. seeds everywhere. A lot of unknowns. So you, you think about what what's yeah. logical. You think about uh, mammals spreading it. So yeah, I don't know. So inside my orchard area, uh, where I experiment with planting fruit trees and wet soil, um, <laughs> I have eight foot fence, and obviously the deer cannot get in there. And there was a yellow poplar growing, so I transplanted it over the weekend and is now planted in the yard. So I'm looking forward to seeing that sucker grow. Nice. How big was it? How oh, it's a little guy, like uh, a little guy. Yeah, foot and a half tall. Oh. Oh well. Just a little whip. Yeah, so dig just a little a whip. Big uh, wedge out of the earth. It's so Very wet where it was hole. that I'm surprised it's growing because yellow poplar likes well-drained soil. Yeah. That I could almost pull all of the soil away from its roots to expose them. Mm. So, and I had two stems, cut one stem off, and uh, hasn't wilted. Seems to be nice. transplanted, so we'll see. Yeah, cool. See how it goes. Yeah, I mean, um, 
you know, I, I like it. My my youngest daughter's named Magnolia, and a lot of them probably think it's from the Magnolia tree. It's not true. It's a falsehood. <laughs> it's actually from yellow poplar, which is family name, right? Family is Magnoliaceae. Mm-hmm. So it's in the Magnolia family. That's the tree I really named her after. So now she's got to correct everybody for the rest of her life. It's from Magnoliaceae, duh. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard one to say. Yeah. But it's a cool tree, man. It's got some of the most beautiful flowers that go unnoticed because they're yeah. so daggone high. Yeah. You just see the petals. Man. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of things that are just around us all the time that we don't notice in their full prime. Yeah. yeah. Unless we're climbing the tree or working with trees or taking them down. and yeah. It's an underplanted tree. Yeah. I think so. Because there's no yeah. other genus with that one, so that's why I recommend it, too, because it really will diversify if you if you plant it. You know, some other ones. Guy wrote an article about that in Arborist News years ago about like you could plant within the maple, but there's so many maples out there in that genus. You know, if a disease comes along, it might wipe them out. Whereas this Liriodendron tulipifera, which is what the um, yellow poplar's in, is there's nothing around it. There's no other genus around, even close. So I think it's a good one. It grows straight, central leader, good tree to have. Yeah, nice structure. And it grows pretty well around most parts of the Catskills, I would say, where I see it, you know? I'm oh, sure it could. It does, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've planted a few. It's part of our legacy tree planting program. Yep. Absolutely. Believe it or not, we're out of time. See you next Wednesday, Gary Mead, talking about the Korean dogwood. Good night. Take Good care. Good night, everyone. The water seeped into his shoes and the drizzle turned to snow. His eyes were red, his hopes were dead, and the wine was running low. And the old man came home from the forest. His tears fell on the sidewalk as he stumbled in the street. A dozen faces stopped to stare, but no one stopped to speak. For his castle was a hallway and the bottle was his friend. And the old man stumbled in.
jet soars above. 